1: Do you like sports? Because we like sports.
2: Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. It's
0: Sports Yak. Welcome to episode 322 of the Sports Yak Podcast. You mean the Sam Rice episode? Sam Rice.
2: Sam Rice out of Morocco, Indiana. That's down in Newton County, Corey, just a little bit outside of our listening area and Sam Rice played for the Washington Senators for almost his entire big league career. He had a 322 batting average, but in doing some deep dive on Sam Rice, this guy's very lucky he ever made it to the major leagues. Didn't make it to the major leagues until the age of 25. He started in minor league baseball in Galesburg, Illinois. His first year in minor league baseball, he gets summoned back to the family farm because his wife, his two kids, his mother, his two sisters, and his dad were all killed in a tornado on April 21st of 1912. So he goes back, he buries them, he kind of gets back into his big league career, and then he gets summoned into the U.S. Navy and 1914 and two days to the day that his family is killed in this tornado he finds himself ducking and dodging bullets in the Battle of Veracruz in Mexico manages to survive that goes to the big leagues as a pitcher isn't making it as a pitcher but the manager of Washington says we like you as a hitter do you think you could learn how to play the outfield Yes, yes I can. And 2973 hits later, Sam Rice finds himself in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Hmm. Fascinating. So, episode 322 to the late but great
1: Sam Rice. Family Broadcasting Corporation well, the going in association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network presents oh, Sportsiac. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. It's all the way! It is good! It's good! It's good! Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get
0: your big butt out of here!
1: And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie.
0: Forever! You know, since you started us with baseball, why don't we start with baseball ourselves? Why don't we talk Cubs?
2: All right. Uh, There's a lot going on there. There's a lot to unpack with the Chicago Cubs. They are now above five hundred after a 5-2 win over the Washington Nationals yesterday. Ian Happ, who has struggled for the first six weeks of the season, of course, got injured in a collision with Nico Horner, comes back from that injury, and since coming back from that injury, he's been red hot. He had two homers yesterday. He's had, I think, five homers in his last seven games. And swinging a good bat. The Cubs are actually third in the National League in runs scored. And their bullpen has been spectacular. They just finished a four-game set with the Washington Nationals where I think the bullpen threw about 17 innings of shutout baseball. Now, that's a lot of stress on your bullpen. And that's probably the biggest flaw with the Chicago Cubs right now. Their starters barely, if ever, go more than five innings. And I don't know if they can keep that up through the course of the season and be good. Yesterday, it was Trevor Williams got rocked around the first inning, managed to work his way through about four and two-thirds, but had thrown a lot of pitches and was in a stressful situation. David Ross goes to his bullpen, turns to Justin Steele, and the young left-hander does a, a terrific job coming out of the pen. Cubs are still banged up. Jason Hayward just went on the 10-day injured list yesterday. But they're getting terrific pitching out of this bullpen. And let's face it, guys like Bryant, Rizzo, and Baez are starting to round into form. But I thought that would bring up an interesting question today, Corey, that I will bounce off of you. We're going to play a little game called um, keep him. Maybe, or cut them loose. Mm, Wow. Because all three of these guys that I'm going to mention to you are going to be free agents at the end of the year. Okay. You probably don't have enough money to keep all three. So if you're going to prioritize, must keep,
0: likely keep, and cut them loose. Okay. Okay. Anthony Rizzo. Are we we're twenty one and twenty one this part of the season? Twenty one and twenty. Okay. Or twenty two and twenty one, I should say. Are we actually at the halfway point or well, no 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 we
2: just passed the quarter pole.
0: Quarter pole. Okay. Yeah. Rizzo.
2: But we're we're talking about at the end of the year, if you're the Chicago Cubs, mm-hmm. unquestionably keep him. Try to keep him, cut him loose. Anthony Rizzo, mm-hmm. Chris Bryant, Javier Baez.
0: Oh, boy. What are you going to do? Those three, those three, those three. Mm-hmm. May I ask a question about each one? How long have they been with the Cubs? Uh, How long has each one been with the Cubs? Rizzo since 2014.
2: Bryant since 2015. I think that's when Bias came up, too, was 2015.
0: What do you think the value of a team leader is despite horrific play like having a specific personality in the dugout in the locker room I I think team
2: chemistry is important
0: I would say according to the way you uh, labeled it um, definitely keep Rizzo think about Baez cut loose Bryant I would definitely keep Rizzo And
2: the reason I would definitely keep Rizzo is I look at first baseman in baseball. Mm -hmm. And defensively, Anthony Rizzo is a gold-glove first baseman. I think he's won four gold gloves as a first baseman. He gives you offensive production. He's unquestionably the clubhouse leader of this team. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there are a ton of better first basemen in the game than Anthony Rizzo. I think Freddie Freeman's better down in Atlanta. Uh, I think uh, Brandon Belt with the Giants is better. I think Jose Abreu is better with the White Sox. So while Anthony Rizzo might be the second-best first baseman in Chicago, I still think he's one of the first best first baseman in the game.
0: When so, I see highlights of him, they're almost like, no, that's a Golden Glove highlight right there. Some of the stuff he does. He
2: makes a lot he makes a lot of great plays on pop ups, but I'll tell you what, he makes a lot of great plays on throws to first base that if you watch him every day, I think you appreciate them more than if you would see him like if you were watching a team that came into Wrigley. Yeah. And you only saw him six times a year. Um so I would I would put Rizzo as my must keep. I would put Bryant as my try to keep. I think he has made adjustments this year especially in his swing, his versatility in the field, the fact that he can pretty much play, I don't know, almost seven of the nine positions in the field, I think there's a great value for that too because you can keep him in the lineup and rotate a bunch of different other people, and it doesn't seem to affect his offense whatsoever. And Baez, even though... I like Javi, and, and he makes some terrific plays, and I, I think he's a wonderful player. If I have to choose between the three, he's the one I'm cutting loose. Okay. But those are the kind of decisions Jed Hoyer is going to have to make at the end of this year, if not beforehand, because there, there's still a lot of talk that the Cubs might try to trade Chris Bryant while he's got terrific value in order to build up the farm system and get prospects. You know, this is the first time I can remember in a while, Corey, that the Cubs actually have pitchers that have come up through their farm system and really contributed to the ball club. You've got Adbert Alzale, who spent some time here in South Bend, who looks like he's going to be a fixture in the starting rotation for a while. You've got Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele, and Ryan Tapera, and all these guys are guys that came up through the farm system. If you look at the Cubs' bullpen that they had in that 2016 season, none of those guys, none of those guys were guys that came up through the farm system. Mm. So that's one area where Theo Epstein made a difference. They, They are in the process of rebuilding the farm system. It's not necessarily the deepest farm system, but it's a pretty decent one right now. And if you can get some more of those kind of players for Chris Bryant, who's going to turn, I believe, 29 this year. Now, 29 is far you know, far from being on the shelf. you still got a lot of baseball to be played. Do you consider that trade, or do you look at Chris Bryant and say, no, this is a guy that we need to build around in the future?
0: You know, I caught the first, uh, the start of the game yesterday, and recognizable names on the team, and the one you just said within the bullpen. This is the most we've seen out of South Bend right now? Oh, no question. And P.J. Higgins just got called up to the ball club a couple of days
2: ago. He's the first catcher ever for the South Bend Cubs to play for the Chicago Cubs. Wow! So. The farm system starting to make a difference for the Cubs, and it's noticeable. Uh, the White Sox, as dysfunctional as they remain, <laughs> still got a, a nice win from Lucas Giolito on Wednesday and beat the Twins 2-1. They had the day off yesterday. They start a three-game series in New York with the Yankees tonight. That should be an interesting series to watch with those two teams that could very well see each other during the playoffs going head-to-head. And the Tigers, my goodness, they finished off a three-game sweep of Seattle on Wednesday with a a 6-2 win. kid named Eric Haas. What a first week in the major leagues he's had. Had a two-home run game and caught a no-hitter from Spencer Turnbull. So not bad for your first week in the bigs.
0: Probably played a hot round of Mariner or Olympian in the uh, locker room as well. Should have. Should have. (laughs) Because, obviously, that it, game swept the nation. I was going to say, it swept the nation.
2: It became a viral sensation. It should have. And if it didn't, that's the nation's fault. That shows that shows a shoddiness in the nation if that didn't get picked up. Notre Dame baseball is playing well right now. They got a complete game last night out of John Michael Bertrand in Blacksburg and beat the Hokies of Virginia Tech 8-2. So, Link Jarrett's team looks like it's going to be the number one seed for the ACC tournament. And when Link met with the media Wednesday, one of the things he talked about is when you're the number one seed for the ACC tournament, you kind of get to pick pick and choose like what dates you want to play, et cetera. Really? Now, he doesn't know the other two teams yet that are going to be in their pod. The way the ACC does it, there's 12 teams in the tournament. You break it down into a three-team pod. So it goes one, two, three, four, and then it comes back around. So four would play five. Um, three would play six. So Notre Dame being the one, they would play an eight seed, and then they would get the 12 seed as well. So that said, Link wants to see who the other two teams are, the Fall into that eight and twelve seed, and all they have to do is go one and one in their round robin with them to move on to the final four, of the ACC tournament. But you get to kind of set up your pitching and pick your days when you're going to play and when you're not. So it'll be an interesting situation because there's no Notre Dame team that has played in the ACC that has been in that luxurious of a situation before. And we'll see what kind of decisions Link makes. This has been a really good team to watch. And the NCAA came out with the announcement the other day that they're willing to go to 100% capacity on their regional sites if local health officials allow it. Now, we know that Notre Dame has not allowed anybody on campus outside of students and staff and parents Nobody's been allowed to come to games. Will that change when Notre Dame gets to host an NCAA tournament game? We'll have to wait and see.
0: Are you allowed to take a stroll on campus, or is that uh, you forbidden? Can take a, you can take a stroll on campus, and you don't even have to
2: wear a mask, but you can't attend a sporting event. Okay. We'll,
0: we'll see what happens.
2: Yeah. And then Notre Dame Softball begins its NCAA tournament play today as they take on Miami of Ohio down at the Kentucky Regional. The other two teams in that regional are Kentucky, featuring the Bremen slugger Aaron Koffel and Northwestern. So if Notre Dame wins today and Kentucky wins today, as would be expected, then those two teams would meet in the winner's bracket tomorrow at noon and that game I believe would be televised on either ESPN2 or ESPN U. so something to keep an eye on if you're a fan not only of the Irish but a fan of seeing some of the former local stars
0: play South Bend Cubs and Dayton two games are they in town Chuck yeah they are in town they're in
2: the middle of a stretch where they play 12 games in 13 days and they're all at home Wow! so Joe Hart and his folks down at the Cove very busy They had replica ring night on Wednesday night uh, where they gave away replicas of their Midwest League championship rings. And the line for that began about 1 in the afternoon. Really? Yeah, there were some fans who really wanted to make sure they were (laughs) in the first because it was only the first 1,000 that came through the gates. So there were some fans that wanted to make sure that they got their, their replica ring I'll, I'll admit those were uh, those were nice looking gifts. You didn't head over to the ballpark that night. Well, no, no, I was busy. I had <laughs> were you? I had things going on.
0: <laughs> things. You want to jump into baseball? I'm sorry, we did baseball. You want to jump into basketball? Let's, because the Indiana Pacers made a big deal last year
2: about Nate McMillan. He was a a, a moderately successful head coach of the Pacers. But the knock on Nate McMillan was, well, he's not able to get us out of the first round of the playoffs. I mean, we make the playoffs, but then we can't get out of the first round. And it's just, it's disappointing. And we want more than that. So we're going to bring in Nate Bjorkgren. That's right, Nate Bjorkren. And he's going to turn things around, except this year the Pacers didn't even make the playoffs, so they didn't have to worry about getting out of the first round. They were eliminated last night in the final play-in game in the Eastern Conference by Washington, and it wasn't even close: 142 to 115. Russell Westbrook, who is having a magnificent year in the NBA, had 18 points and 15 assists. And so the Pacers find themselves sitting on the sidelines after a season of injuries and dysfunction. And There's been a lot of question as to whether Nate Bjorkman will be invited back for a second season at the helm of the Pacers. Apparently, he's had all kinds of communication problems in the locker room with his players. So, to me, it's it's not the coaching. I, I think the Pacers are woefully under-talented to compete in an Eastern Conference that has really built itself back up uh, since LeBron James went to the L.A. Lakers, The Eastern Conference became more wide open. Of course, Brooklyn brought in Harden. They brought in Kyrie. They brought in KD. And so they would appear to be the favorites to emerge from the Eastern Conference in the playoffs. Philadelphia has Joel Embiid, who's up for the MVP honor in the NBA. They've got Ben Simmons. They're loaded with talent. Pacers aren't anywhere close to that right now. Tonight is the final play-in game in the Western Conference. You've got Golden State. Steph Curry is up for the NBA NBA MVP honor. He'll take on John Morant in Memphis. I think most people expect the Warriors to win that game, to be the eighth seed in the West and have to take on Utah in the NBA playoffs. And the thing about the teams in the Western Conference playing games with the Lakers and the Warriors... Mm you've got teams there that people think actually have a legitimate shot of winning in the playoffs. Whereas in the East, I don't think anybody looks at Washington or Boston right now and says, oh, yeah, they're they're a huge threat to go the distance in the Eastern Conference.
0: What time does Golden State play Memphis? Tonight at 9 o'clock. Well, it's a Friday. It's I a might Friday. be able to pull a little bit up. of that off. Yeah. I know a fourteen year old that would get into watching that, so Yeah, okay. it should be a fun
2: game to watch. Okay. And that will be at the Oracle in California. The Oracle. Golf is in the middle of one of its majors right now. They're playing down in South Carolina. A young man by the name of Corey Connors out of Canada had the first round lead of five under par, but a pack of golfers behind him, two strokes off the pace at three under, including Brooks Kepka who i think a lot of people look at and say this is a guy that can win, is a is a threat in any major he's ha- had two US open championships he's done a great job uh rebuilding his career and then Phil Mickelson sits there three strokes off the pace i mean this guy is it feels like he's been playing since the beginning of golf he's <laughs> he's well on the approach to 50 and uh still very competitive on the PGA tour and of course anybody who watches any PGA major this year realizes with tiger on the sidelines that just kind of takes a little bit of the sparkle off all these tournaments but should be an interesting weekend for the golf fans to watch down in south carolina high school scene yesterday very busy day uh with lots of tournament activity pan dominated its own sectional. They scored over 200 points as a team. I think we've talked about this young man before. Vinny wiki is a hurdler for Penn. He is also a high jumper. He had three first places yesterday. They've got a sprinter by the name of Jojo Williams, who's fun to watch. He won three races and finished second in the long jump. And Coach John Carroll's Kingsman had no problems distancing themselves from the pack in their own sectional. Now, the really competitive sectional was down at Goshen yesterday. Northridge ekes out a five-point victory over Elkhart, although Elkhart, I believe, had seven different champions in that event. Elkhart has a young man by the name of Derek Woods. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago. He can run. Football player. Won the 100-200 and also was part of the 4x100 relay team. Uh, Jadavian Eccles won a hurdle event. Uh, they've, they've just got talent in the sprints uh, that is probably the best group of sprinters we've seen around here in a long time. But Northridge has a young man named Carter Bach who's very good in the shot and the discus. And they were able to rack up enough points with their depth where they wind up beating Elkhart 122 to 117. So, congratulations to the Raiders on that. Girls' tennis has hit the tournament level. Uh, St. Joe, <laughs> Joe lost two games in two days in tennis. Remember, a set is six games, two sets, 12 games. So, they played, they had five different groups play two sets a day. So, in the course of 20 sets, they lost a total of two games in the South Bend sectional.
0: Can I see that they got a new athletic director?
2: Yes, they uh, brought in a young man, or not a young man, an older man named Stephen Anthony from Michigan State. He was an associate athletic director up there. I'm not sure if he has family in the area or mm-hmm. why he would leave East Lansing to come here, leave a college as an associate athletic director, to come to a high school and be an athletic director, but yes, they did that. Okay. So girls' tennis sectionals yesterday. St. Joe wins. Penn wins its 14th sectional in a row. Northridge wins. And Fairfield wins a 3-2 match over Northwood. What a job the Falcons have done this year, putting together an undefeated season. And let's not forget about our friends north of the border. Edwardsburg, for the fifth time in six years, is going to the state finals in tennis and its division, Division 2, and Brandywine is going to the state finals in tennis in Division 3 after winning a regional up there. So good weeks by all those teams. Weekend,
0: you got big plans? Uh, I'm told we're going to dinner with some friends on Saturday. I'm hoping we just get outside a lot. Got the yard work done yesterday, so trying to make some space for some rest.
2: Now, you? going into the weekend, uh, I hope to uh, monitor the voting today <laughs> for the one-hit wonder contest. In case you missed it yesterday, it was Bobby McFerrin and don't worry, be happy, pulling out a, uh, a decent-sized victory. Not a landslide as we had seen in the first three, but a decent-sized victory over Hanson and Mbop. Mm-hmm.
0: But today... Let's actually review the, re- the week real quick. Uh, Kung Fu Fighting, I would say a landslide. Yes. Versus David Soul's Don't Give Up On Us. And it should have been that way, trust me. Afternoon Delight put a beaten on I Just Died In Your Arms by Cutting Crew earlier in the week. Uh, Don't You Forget About Me, uh, Way Over, Black Velvet by Alana Miles. Was that our uh, opening of that the week? That was the opener. Yeah. And so today... We will give you the uh, lineup, Mister Dave. That Mister Dave. Those of us that are millennials really need the attached YouTube videos. Would there be a way to sample the songs on the podcast? To which I say to you, Mister Dave, yes. Today, Chuck Freebie, yes. It's Chris Cross and their only number one song. Now, you might be saying to yourself, well, didn't they have a hit with I Missed the Bus or Warm It Up? No. No, no they, they didn't. didn't. <laughs> they are taking on the uh, musical stylings of Van McCoy. Van McCoy. A lot of words in this one. Well, they're coming up here
2: in just a second. One of the great flute songs of our time.
0: <laughs> this song was was already already in the mix, and someone said, "You know what this song needs? More flute." flute. <laughs> <laughs> so on Twitter at SportJack with two Ks, you can vote which one is the better of those one-hit wonders, crisscross and jump from the late late eighties, early nineties or the hustle which was i think smack dab middle of that disco I era that was
2: 1975 yeah
0: which was uh then would be over in a hot minute but uh
2: jump with the early lead yeah you could say they've had a quick jump on
0: the hustle <laughs> nice very nice
2: do you have anything for overrated underrated today? i don't
0: chuck i'm sorry i've neither come neither do i i've come
2: unprepared we're going to make it a short episode on this Friday for you all and tell you that there won't be an episode on Monday. I have another matter that I have to tend to on Monday. In fact, we're going to probably be a little sporadic here over the next couple of weeks because you've got vacation coming up as well after Memorial Day.
0: Yeah, uh, conference I'm attending for the week, yes. so But we'll still tweet out the the uh, the poll. We'll keep that rolling right along. The people seem to like You mean you'll be in contact with me? I, I will. Okay. I will we will be in uh communique. Communique. Very good. Uh you're on Twitter, right? I am
2: still without the blue check mark at 46 Sports, although I understand that Twitter is taking steps, not personally for me. They don't care about me. There's but, movement. But there's movement on the blue check mark front.
0: hmm I'm on there as well. Sports Yak with two K's. Also, my name is Corey. Until next time, Yak fans ooga Sam Rice. I got nothing.
1: We've had some fun. and yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sports Jack. Sports Jack. is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done.
0: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.